Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Exodus, please. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Verses 1, 2 and 3. Exodus chapter 20. Verses 1 to 3. It reads, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the hand, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Let's bow for prayer. O God, we pray, please teach us from your word this evening. Revive us. Uh, in spirit, we ask, help us to serve you more effectively and sincerely. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray. Amen. God calls for obedience. God calls for obedience that flows from a right heart, a heart right with God. All of us are guilty. Uh, of just going through the motions from time to time without that right spirit. And as we come to Exodus chapter 20, we have just had a full chapter, chapter 19, a preamble to obedience and the call for obedience and the call to obey God uh, with, with heart, with three trips up and down Mount Sinai, um, there in chapter 19, uh, it would seem that Moses made three trips uh, into the mount and back down. Um, finally, we come to what God said to Moses to pass on to the people of God. At the forefront, we have here in Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, the hub of all of Israel's religious uh, and civil laws, summed up in Ten Commandments. It was a former treasurer of Australia by the name of Peter Costello who led our nation out of debt. He was a Bible-believing Christian he said, and I quote, the Ten Commandments are a summary, are a summary of all ethics and morality in essence. End of quote. The Ten Commandments is a microcosm of the Mosaic Law. So from Exodus chapter 20 all the way through to chapter 24, we have what is referred to as the Mosaic Law. And the Ten Commandments is, um, a, I guess, a summary, uh, a summary of the Mosaic Law. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, please, that the law and prophets and the words of the prophets hang on two main commandments. Go to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. 
Note there in verse number 37. In verse 36, the question was asked, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Verse 37, And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. Then note what our Lord went on to say. On these two commandments hang all the law, all that is written within the books of the law, and all that is written by the prophets. They rest, they hang on these two commandments. To love God and to love thy neighbour. Man's responsibility to God and man's responsibility to, towards his neighbour. And the Lord Jesus said that upon these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. We have within the Ten Commandments these two commands expounded. Our responsibility to God commandment 1, 2, 3 and 4 and then our responsibility to fellow man commandment 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 and 10. What is wrong with the world? I promise you that I'd answer that question this evening. It's very simple. It's the breaking of the Ten Commandments. That's what's wrong with the world. The breaking of the Ten Commandments which are foundational to law and order within a society. The breaking of the Ten Commandments, which are foundational to law and order within a given society. This is what is wrong with the world. If people would just obey these Ten Commandments, spelled out here in Exodus chapter 2, 20. The world would be a better place and a safer place to live in. For it's within these ten commandments we have eternal principles on how to live as God meant us to live. As one man put it, the ten commandments are ten divine rules for human conduct. Ten divine rules for human conduct. The Ten Commandments are often referred to as the Decalogue. Deca, uh, ten, log, logos, word, ten words. The Ten Commandments. Now before giving these Ten Commandments, here in Exodus chapter 20, if you would go back there if you haven't already, God in his preamble um, once again spells out to the nation of Israel the unique relationship that he has with them and what he has done for them. And note, this was the immediate focus in chapter 19 where God reminded his people of the fact that he has delivered them out of bondage 
And then God went on to stress to his people in chapter 19, we need to be holy. Before we can do that which is honourable to God, we must be holy. And then you might recall a number of weeks ago, we stressed upon the fact that God enabled his people to catch a glimpse of the awesomeness of their God so that they would fear God. So to fear God and to be holy and to be mindful of what God has, has brought you from or delivered you from become foundational, a preamble, so to speak, to obedience from the heart. And once again, before Moses expands on these ten words, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, God said to his people via Moses, I am the Lord thy God, verse 2, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Jesus said that we are to love God. This is the first and great commandment. And the first four commandments within the ten spelled out here in Exodus chapter 20 give us some insight, teach us how we can love God and therefore fulfill that first and great commandment. And then the second commandment springs from that um, in loving thy neighbour. Note then verse number three, the first commandment. What's wrong with the world? Well, the breaking of the Ten Commandments, beginning with this commandment, to have no other God before the one and true living God. Verse number three reads once again, Thou shalt have no other God before me. The rule of religion, as one man put it, Have no other God before me. God said you are to have me as your only God. This is what we call monotheism. Mono, one theism, God. The worship of one God. There is one true and living God whom we are to worship. And this command is... uh, um, uh, repeated uh, throughout the scriptures, uh, even in the New Testament. Note there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, please. Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 4 and 5, it reads, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He is the only God. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. One God. God that deserves our full and complete loyalty. Back in Exodus chapter 20 verse 5, the Bible teaches us, I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. God's people were to set up no other rival gods, thereby rejecting the uniqueness of their one and true and living gods. So in other words, this command is against multiple gods or what we refer to as polytheism, many gods. 
And even within the day that uh, the Ten Commandments were given amongst the Egyptians and within the promised land that they were uh, going to inherit, there there are those that serve multiple gods. And God said to his people that you will have no other God before me. I will be your complete loyalty. I will have all of your loyalty. I am the one and true and living God. As opposed to worshipping multiple gods. Note there in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 please. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. It's interesting that nine out of the ten commandments are are, are reiterated within the New Testament and spelled out and and confirmed um, from the Old Testament. And we note here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, please, verses 5 and 6. It reads, 1 Corinthians 8, 5 and 6, For though there be that are called gods whether in heaven or in earth as there be gods many and lords many but to us there is but one God the father of whom are all things and we in him and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things and we by him So even though the world might have many gods, your God is one God and he expects and demands your complete loyalty. This is the great commandment, great commandment number one of how we can love God with all of our being. There are many gods in this world. Some people worship the God of sport, the God of money, the God of materialism, the God of pleasure. We are to worship the one and true and living God. He needs to have our full and complete loyalty. Let me ask you this evening, is God alone your full devotion? Is your love directed to him? Is he number one in your life? This is the essence of this first of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods, plural, before me. I am to be number one. Your loyalty is to me. God is to have preeminence in your life, in my life. Let me ask you this evening, does he have preeminence in your life and in my life? As I mentioned this morning, we have a serious problem within Christianity today in which Jesus Christ is only a part of the life of the Christian as opposed to him being our very life. For me to live is Christ, see? There is a vast, vast difference. The Lord Jesus said to Satan in Matthew 4.10, you are to worship the Lord thy God and him only is God your full devotion is he number one in your life in my life let me tell you what's wrong with the world God is not number one 
The true and living God is not number one. There are gods many and lords many, as the Apostle Paul said, in the world. But there is one true and living God. He is our God and he demands our full and complete loyalty. The rule of religion. And this leads us to commandment number two. Note there in verses four to six. Exodus chapter 20. Back in Exodus chapter 20 verses four to six. This has been termed the rule of worship. How are we to worship this one and true and living God? How are we to reflect our loyalty, our honour, our respect for him? Note here in verses 4 to 6 it reads, And thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, all that is in the earth beneath, all that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Verse 6, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So commandment number one, have no other God before the one and true and living God. He is our devotion. He is our love. And then commandment number two, we have here, the Bible teaches us that we are to make no graven images of God, to make no images or to make no uh, impressions that represent God or point individuals to God in a person's life as a means of worship. Note there in Acts chapter 20, please. Pardon me, Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Acts 17, verse 29. Acts 17, verse 29. It reads, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. So the Bible teaches us we are to not make any images or any impressions that represent God or seek to point us to God as a means of worshipping God. We are to worship the one and true and living God. The worship of the one and true and living God is a spiritual issue, not a physical issue. If you go back to Exodus chapter 20, please, verse number 23, it reads... Exodus chapter 20, verse 23. 
You shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall you make unto you gods of gold. Since God is spiritual, there can be no material representation of God. And that's why within this commandment, um, God's people were forbidden of making any likeness, anything that is in heaven, like the sun, worshipping the sun as a god, upon the earth, um, uh, an animal like a bull, or, or under the earth, in the, in the sea, a, a fish. You are to make no likeness uh, to represent God from his uh, creation because God is spiritual and there is no material representation of him because the Bible teaches us that God is spirit. So this commandment deals with the issue of idolatry. It deals with the issue of icons that we see in religions today like the Roman Catholic faith, like the Orthodox faith. God forbids idolatry. Note there in Leviticus chapter 26, please. Leviticus chapter 26. <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1. It reads, Ye shall make, ye shall make you no idols or graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, Neither shall ye set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. Now also note there in the book of Numbers, please. Numbers chapter 33. Numbers chapter 33. Leviticus, Numbers chapter 33. Numbers chapter 33, verse number 52. Note, Numbers 33, chapter 33, verse 52. Then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you. This is in reference to uh, taking possession of the promised land. And note what it reads here in verse 52. And destroy all their, let's say it together, pictures, icons, pictures. That's the orthodox faith. They're into the icons, the pictures, the flat pictures, the PDFs. But the Roman Catholics are into the 3D idols. And God forbids idolatry. God forbids icons. And verse 52 goes on to read, And destroy all their molten images, and quit pluck down all their high places. The Roman Catholics will say, Well, we don't worship these images. They just help us to focus on worshipping God. Just like you have pictures of loved ones in your home you don't worship them but i guarantee you you're picturing your home you don't go up to them and kiss them you don't bow down before them that's silly argumentation that's what the catholics like to use 
So the Bible's very clear that we are to make no graven images that we bow down as a means of worshipping God. The Roman Catholics, you might be interested in this fact, the Roman Catholics have combined the first two commandments there in Exodus chapter 20 and made it one. And they've extended commandment number 10 to do away with the graven image element. Not only is this forbidden to to have any graven images or to make any likeness to God, but God said to his people, if you do so, you will bring judgment upon your uh, families up until the fourth generation. Let me tell you what's wrong with the world. God is not number one. Number two, idolatry is a serious problem in the world. This is why we are having the issues of today because God is spirit and he is to worship in spirit. John chapter 4 verse 24. But I'm afraid that people have chosen to worship the creature as opposed to the creator. And it's interesting that demonic activity is closely connected with idolatry. Turn to 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 10. Wherever you have idolatry, images, you have demonic activity. Demonic activity. Note here in 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, please. For the sake of time, look at verse 14. It reads, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Now go to verse 20. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils, devils, and not to God. I would not that you should have Fellowship with devils. The fellowship with devils is in relation to what? Idolatry. Wherever you have idolatry, you have demonic activity. That's what's wrong with the world. Wherever you have idolatry, icons and images that people bow down before, you have demonic activity. That's what the Bible teaches. We are saved by faith. We are to walk by faith. And we are to worship God in spirit and in truth because He is spirit. And to make and to worship God with images, God tells us God will severely judge. And also note there back in Exodus chapter 20, verse number 5, the Bible says this is, um, I'm not only going to judge your family up until the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. That's a strong charge. That's a strong charge for those that worship idols. So what's wrong with the world? Well, God is not number one. He's not worshipped as the one and true and living God. What's wrong with the world? Idolatry. Idolatry. And if you go back to Exodus chapter 20, Verse number 7 gives us what is referred to as the rule 
of reverence. So number one, the rule of religion. Number two, the rule of worship. Number three, the rule of reverence. Note then verse 7 it reads, And thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not, will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in, in vain. We are not to speak lightly of God's name. God's name or God's names are to be treated with sacredness. We are to revere God's name. And when we are referring to God by his many names, we ought to do so with reverence and godly fear. Because Acts chapter 4 verse 12 teaches us, neither is there salvation in any other name. And at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Within Judaism, the names of God were considered sacred to the point that once written, they were not to be erased. If you wrote the name of God, you wrote God, Elohim, Yahweh, Adonai, you would not erase it. It's set. It's sacred. Name is sacred. The world is guilty of cursing God with their lips and using the name of God as a swear word. That's what's wrong with the world. That's what's wrong with the world. They've broken the rule of reverence. And God will hold us accountable for every word we use. Quickly, Matthew chapter 12, please. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. <clears throat> Verse number 36. Our Lord said that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. His name is precious. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 9 verse 10. We should bless God with our words as it teaches there in the book of James chapter 3 verses 9 and 10. We need to guard our hearts and lips lest we dishonour the name of Almighty God. Is our Lord's name precious to you and I? Is it precious, so precious that we are prepared to share his name with others? Not to take God's name in vain. The rule of reverence. What's wrong with the world? God is not number one. What's wrong with the world? Idolatry. They're not worshipping God in spirit and in truth. What's wrong with the world? There's a lack of reverence for God's name. And last but not least, in answering this question, how do we love God with all of our being and fulfill this first and great commandment? Well, back in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11, we have here what one man referred to as the rule of time. The rule of time. Verse 8 reads, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days shalt thou labour and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy man servant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. As I have already mentioned, nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated within the New Testament in a variety of forms. This is the only one that is not mentioned in the New Testament. The Sabbath was to be kept holy. Keep it holy, verse number 8. This Sabbath day was a day of worship. Six days work, one day rest. And on that day of rest, as a part of that day of rest, was the principle of worship. Now we assume while the Israelites were in Egypt, there were no breaks in their daily routine. And the basis of this commandment is in God creating the world in six days and resting on day seven. This was not a day of slothfulness but a day of genuine physical rest and spiritual edification. God ordained work before the fall and ordained a day of rest in the beginning. And if we follow this pattern, we will function better and more efficient. Six days of work, one day of rest, And a part of that day of rest is worship. Even though the command to keep the Sabbath isn't repeated in the New Testament, yet we have our Lord Jesus that makes comments concerning the Sabbath. And in Mark chapter 2, verses 27-28, he gives us the principle of the Sabbath. And that is the Sabbath was to benefit man, not to control or to restrict man so we have the principle within the day of rest from physical work we have an opportunity to recalibrate so to speak spiritually that is the day of rest for the jewish people it was the sabbath it was the saturday a sign of God's covenant with Israel, Exodus chapter 31, verse 16. So wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, it reads, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. But for those of us that are Christians, the principle of work six days and rest one day is timeless it was there in genesis chapter 1 and genesis chapter 2 and it's incorporated here within 
the Ten Commandments. So as Christians, we worship the Lord on the first day of the week, the Sunday, to commemorate our risen Lord. We see that in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 2, how God's people assembled and worshipped on the first day of the week. So we as Bible-believing Christians do not keep the Sabbath. They are completely different. The principle of rest and worship is, is timeless. But the, uh, the day of rest, the day of worship for God's people is in commemoration of a risen Lord. What's wrong with the world? This is what's wrong with the world. Seven-day week work. That's what's wrong with the world, see? If we would just get back to the Word of God and do it God's way, we'd be a lot better off. Is the Lord's day really a day of rest and worship for you? That's my question. I think it's an awful shame for God's people to wake up on a Monday morning saying, I'm exhausted. And you've had the Sunday. Something's wrong. Did God make a mistake? Or could it be how we've carried out our day? That we have not truly rested. It was Robert Campbell, Australia's first um, uh, merchant, who was responsible for importing and exporting goods a Bible-believing Christian. He introduced the five-and-a-half-day week. He wouldn't allow his workers to work any more than beyond uh, than noon on the Saturday. You know why? Because he wanted his workers to take care of all their personal affairs on the Saturday afternoon and therefore devote the full Sunday to worship and rest. I remember as a kid, the five and a half day week. Some of you guys remember that? It was great. Chatswood was a ghost town at 12 o'clock on a Saturday. Ghost town. It's wonderful. And we survived. And then from there it became a six day week of shopping. And now, as you know, it's seven days a week. And I don't know about you, but uh, when I do have to get something on a Sunday, I've noticed, especially in Coles and Woolies, that workers are usually grumpy on a Sunday. (laughs) Because their body's telling them I shouldn't be here. They just don't realise it, see? This principle of rest. Rest. Not slothfulness, rest. You should be refreshed after the Lord's day. If you wake up exhausted on a Monday morning, there's something wrong. And I challenge you to ask yourself, something's wrong. Why am I not rested and refreshed? 
Maybe I've technically been working on the Lord's Day. What's wrong with the world? The breaking of the Ten Commandments. God is not number one. Idolatry. God's name is not kept sacred. And we do not honour the day of rest and worship as we should. And the Lord Jesus said that you are to love God with all of your being. This is the first and great commandment. So we've, we have within commandment 1, 2, 3 and 4, practically how we can love God with all of our being. And this builds the foundation upon which we can love our neighbour as we should. And that's the emphasis in the remainder of the commandments that we will study in the weeks to come. Is God number one in your life? Is he really number one? Or are there other gods in your life? Do we worship God in spirit and in truth? How's our worship? Do we hold God's name as sacred? And are we honouring the principle of rest and worship? Let's bow for prayer.